Florida Matters is supported by WUSF members just like you. Your donation of $5 or $25 will help ensure public radio thrives. And thanks to Candy Olson, an additional $50 will be added to your donation. Visit WUSF.org match to maximize your gift today. This is Florida Matters, I'm Matthew Petty. Increasing the number of healthcare providers in Florida, clamping down on children's social media use, and abolishing civilian oversight boards for police departments. These are just a few of the legislative priorities for lawmakers in Tallahassee. And although the legislative session is almost half over, there's still more work ahead for lawmakers before they can pass a budget. On this episode, we'll get a progress report on some of the biggest proposals. We'll talk about bills that could erode the rights of local governments to make decisions on the environment, development and cultural issues like what flags to fly over government buildings. We'll also discuss the issues that aren't really being addressed, including housing and homeowners insurance. With us in the studio, political journalist William March. Welcome back, William. Hey, glad to be here, Matthew. And Jeff Brandis, former state senator and founder of the Florida Policy Project, a nonpartisan research institute. Jeff, good to see you again. Great to see you. So, William, chronologically, we're almost at the halfway mark of the 60-day legislative session, but there's still a long way to go in terms of the bills filed. We're going to talk about some of those bills that have been put forward by lawmakers, but just remind us how it all works. What's the timeline for getting these bills signed into law? Well, even though it's almost halfway through chronologically, it's still early in terms of the action. A lot of the most important action in Florida's legislative session is done in a mad rush at the end of the session, which is limited to 60 days. So at this point, what we can do is we can look at bills and see if they're advancing toward passage or not. Mm -hmm. And what that means is, are they getting approvals from the committees they've been referred to? If they are, then you can say they're advancing toward passage. If not, then they may well be stalled. Uh, But again, keep in mind, In terms of the action, it is still early in the session, and those bills that are moving or not moving, that can change literally any day. What influence does Governor DeSantis have on the session? And when you you run through the list of bills, are there some that strike you as a bit to gain attention and create some political theater rather than being serious pieces of legislation? Well, that kind of depends on your definition of political theater rather than serious. There is one bill, for example, that says that school children should be taught that it was the Republican Party that ended slavery in the Civil War. It's named the Kamala Harris Bill. I can't cite the the exact title, but its main purpose is to troll the vice president, Kamala Harris. Of course, that bill overlooks the fact that the Democratic Party at the time of the Civil War was the party of social conservatism Mm -hmm. and in favor of of slavery and later of segregation, whereas now the Republican Party has become the party of the South and of social conservatism. Another bill would prohibit cities from removing Confederate monuments. Uh, Some people would say that's an attention getter or something intended to stir the base. Others would say it's a serious bill. We'll talk more about that one in particular in a bit, but let's talk about some of the other big pieces of legislation that are advancing. Healthcare, this addresses the need for more doctors and other healthcare providers. It's a priority issue for Senate President Kathleen Pasadomo. William just reminded us of the details, what it does do, what it doesn't do. 
Well, its main goal is not to provide more health care coverage to people. Its main goal is to increase the number of providers in the state. It attempts to expand access to free clinics, increase the number of residencies available to train doctors, moves like that. Uh, And it is advancing in the Senate because of Pasadomo's influence as president of the Senate. So far, it's not advancing in the House. But that is the kind of issue where one legislative leader badly wants something that tends to be used as a bargaining chip at the end of the session when the other legislative leaders want something of their own. Yeah. I wanted to get your thoughts, though, on that health care bill, Jeff. I mean, you were quoted when you left the Senate in one article I was just reading saying that Florida doesn't have a strategic vision when it comes to health care. Does this legislation go well, somewhere I don't, to, towards Tell me the area of policy we do have a strategic vision in. I right. mean, it clearly isn't health care, <laughs> clearly isn't affordable housing, clearly isn't property insurance, clearly isn't present criminal justice reform. So, so does this bill go any way to addressing that? No, not really. I mean, this is really largely focused on getting more doctors and nurses to move to Florida. The challenge is every other state is also focusing on doctors and nursing moving to their state. But Florida has an acute problem. I mean, we're, mm-hmm. we're, we're thousands of nurses short here, and that only gets more acute over time. And, and so I think it's a, a real challenge. It's something that they've got to take on. But again, where's the overall strategic plan? How, lay it out for me. Tell me where what the steps are to get there. Um, but I need to understand the larger vision. And this is something that it's, it's a problem throughout. Look, when I left the legislature, my big takeaway after 12 years in Tallahassee is everything in Tallahassee is tactical. There is no strategy. And, you know, prove me wrong. Show me the strategy on any of these major issues where we have a long-term vision and we're building a a strategic plan to kind of get to that long-term vision. William, back to you. Abortion continues to be front and center. First, there's a bill to expand who can file a wrongful death lawsuit in the death of a fetus. It is raising concerns from abortion rights groups, although the bill's sponsor, we should note, says it's not abortion-related. Just talk us through what this bill is. Well, what the bill would do is allow individuals, potentially a father who uh, was not in favor of the mother of his child having an abortion, to sue for damages, sue anyone who performs the procedure. Opponents of the bill say it's a transparent ploy to make physicians, other health care providers, reluctant to be involved in an abortion. Mm-hmm. Now, there's another bill to restrict almost all abortions except when the life of the person bearing the child is endangered. That isn't going anywhere at the moment, but um, what's happening with that one? Well, so far, as you said, it's not advancing in either House. In fact, it, it's, it's a House bill, and I think it does not have a Senate companion. Uh, companion bills are important because a bill has to pass, pass both houses mm-hmm. uh, before it can go to the governor to become law. And I think what you're seeing there is that there is, compared to the last couple of legislative sessions, uh, the 23 session, the 22 session, there is a diminished appetite for culture war issues in the legislature this year. We should note, too, that the Florida Supreme Court is still considering the constitutionality of a 15-week, the 15-week abortion ban in Florida. I mean, what influence does that have on all of these bills? Well, there's, there's also a, a six-week ban that has passed but is being held in abeyance while the 15-week ban is considered by the courts. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if this, if this new bill were to pass, were to start moving and pass, it probably would not go into effect until the court ruling on the existing 15-week ban. Mm-hmm. 
Jeff, let me bring you back into this conversation. I want to get your thoughts on legislation to expand the hours of work for teenagers. It's drawing quite a lot of attention. You have supporters and opponents debating this issue. What's your take on this bill? Listen, ultimately, parents and kids get to decide when they work and, and how they work. Um, and, and so I, I think you know you should provide them pretty broad flexibility without the state kind of being involved as much as we can. So anything that broadens people's rights, which I think this is a broadening of rights, I, I think is a positive thing generally. And, and frankly, let the parents and the, and the kids and the employers decide what the hours need to be. William, we're hearing from opponents that you know that this is actually eroding um, you know the rights of kids in some ways. It's kind of removing some of the protections for for children in, in work situations. Well, that's the libertarian point of view, and Jeff Brandis, of course, is one of my favorite libertarians. The opponents of the bill say that it would allow children, often who are pressed into working by poor economic situations, it would allow employers to exploit them and require them to work hours that are not good for them to work, uh, up to eight hours a day, six days a week, even during school, and that the kids might be pressured to work those hours by an employer when it's not good for them. Uh, Noteworthy, that bill is moving in the House but my understanding is it's been amended in the Senate to remove most of the controversial provisions. Right. There's another one, too, we should note, which uh, involved um, teenagers on, on construction sites, and that's also been amended to remove some of the more, uh, I guess, controversial elements in terms of kids working on roofs, for example. Mm-hmm. Now, education bills, William, have been a big feature of previous sessions, not so much this year. What are you seeing at this point in the session on education? Well, both houses have put forward budget proposals that would increase the um, probably the most important single indicator of education funding, which is the per-student allocation. They wouldn't increase it much, and as I understand it, Governor DeSantis's proposed budget would increase it even slightly less than that. I believe the the legislative houses have proposed about a 3.5% increase in per-student funding, and I believe DeSantis's budget is a bit less, two-point-something. That's the funding angle. There are, of course, numerous other pieces of legislation that would affect education policy. Let's turn back to culture wars. Now, you brought this up at the start of our conversation, uh, William there is that bill you, you mentioned about the removal of Confederate monuments. Now, what would that mean, say, for Hillsborough and Manatee counties, where some of those monuments have already been taken down? Well, the bill is retroactive, or at least one house has it as retroactive. I believe it's the House version that's retroactive. The Senate version, I believe, has been amended so that it wouldn't be retroactive, but neither version would affect uh, the the monument that was taken down outside the Hillsborough County Courthouse because the retroactivity doesn't go back quite that far, even if it did pass. So they're not going to have to put that monument back up again? They will not have to put that monument back up again, but there are other monuments that this bill, I think, is specifically aimed at where they might. Hmm. There's also a bill sponsored by Representatives David Barrero and Randy Fine. It would restrict the kinds of flags that can be flown over government buildings and schools, including pride flags. Uh, I mean, there's quite a lot of debate over this bill. Where is this one headed? Um, the uh, I believe that bill is advancing. And again, uh, one Democratic legislator asked, does this mean I wouldn't be able to put a pride flag up on the wall of, of her office in the Capitol? And I think the answer was yes. Mm-hmm. Um, again, what that would do, it's not specifically pride flags. It's any flag indicating any political movement 
ideological position would be banned from public buildings. Mm. What do you think of that, Jeff? I mean, should should there be this much influence from the where, state? Where in the Constitution does it allow legislatures to limit speech? Mm-hmm. And I think this is the kind of, you know, over and over again, what we're hearing about is, you know, we want to do this social media bill. There's nothing in the Constitution that says that, you know, your right to speech and assembly begins at 16. I mean, nobody's been able to point that out to me. Uh, I think all of these discussions, anytime the government is limiting what the citizens can do, I typically have a problem with that. I think, you know, we're the Republican Party is supposed to be the party of small government, it's supposed to be a party of freedom and liberty. Um, and, and anything that we do, whether it's, you know, whether it aligns with their political philosophy or not, that limits speech is something that I think is against the core values of Republicans. Is that something? I mean, you've, have you seen that kind of drift while you were in the legislature, or is it? Well, absolutely, no, absolutely. Look, I mean, look, we provided basically an oligopoly for marijuana. We provided a monopoly <laughs> on sports betting. I mean, look, we have you know we have so far afield from like what I believe Republican small government should be, and you know, generally we don't support monopolies. Generally, we want free competition and open market. Those were at least the principles that I grew up under uh, and believing. But, you know, some of this thing has been completely perverted now to where, look, it's there's a handful of people, you know, that want a certain thing and they're pushing for it despite what our overriding principles are. So, uh, you know, I think we've got to come back to core beliefs, which is, listen, we're about liberty. We're about freedom. And we want to maximize the freedom of Floridians to, to live their lives without government intervention. So, uh, you know, listen, fly the flag, whatever you want to do. The monuments piece, uh, look, ultimately, communities should decide what they want to honor in their communities. I don't know why that's so radical. Um, And if they change their minds, let them change their minds. Why limit their freedom to change their minds in the future? You know, I guess some people are going to have different political arguments against that. But for me, I want to maximize freedom at virtually every chance I can get because I think that's the core value that that at least I want to live by and, and, and drives my political philosophy. But there's got to be some kind of limits. I mean, at some point, your freedom is going to impinge on somebody else's freedom, right? So there has to be a balance somewhere. Sure, absolutely. There has to be a balance someplace. Um, And this is why we have local governments that get to decide what, you know, that represent locally what they want uh, their cities and counties to look like. William, I wanted to come back to um, something that Jeff mentioned, which was the um, the social media bill. What's what's happening with this one? Well, it has been advancing, and this is probably the major priority this year of the Speaker of the House, Paul Renner, and those major priorities for legislative leaders tend to pass their houses. That bill is moved forward in the House. It has not moved, has not yet come up, I believe, in the Senate. Mm -hmm. But in the opinion of most legal experts that I've seen quoted, Uh, It's unlikely, even if it passes, ever to take effect. Uh, Very similar measures have been ruled unconstitutional in other states. It would prohibit uh, children under 16 from getting social media accounts, require the companies to – require the social media companies uh, to use age verification to hire a third party, in fact, to do their age verification. And I'll bet you we're about to hear a, a, a good libertarian view on that on that piece of legislation from Senator Brandis. Well, I think you you already said you think it's unconstitutional. Right? Well, I mean, I don't. It's not just me. I mean, go read the staff analysis of the House. The House <laughs> that they spend two pages on why this is unconstitional. Mm-hmm. So look, you know, but these the, here's my problem. You get a speaker, you get a Senate president. They know that they're going to be in for four years, for two years, right? And they're they're planning to run out and and take on the big issues of Florida. What are the big issues of Florida? 
their housing affordability, their property insurance, their transportation. There, there are some major big issues. But here we've seen this year we have a live healthy bill, which is great, and, and I think long term. But I don't think it addresses the key. You know, if you asked a hundred people what are the big issues in Florida, I don't think they would say social media and healthcare were the uh, you know and uh, were the two biggest issues right now in the state of Florida. So we haven't we aren't focusing on the main thing. We're, mm. we're not focusing on the big issues that are in front of us right now. Well, and these things tend to fester if you don't deal with them. Well, let's talk about a couple of those. I mean, housing affordability is kind of at the root of some other uh, bills too, but and housing availability, I guess. What do you want to see from, from lawmakers there? Well, I want to see a strategy and a plan, right? I want to see them put together a strategy. And, you know, listen, this is why the Florida Policy Project was founded, because there was no strategy. And so we decided we would build a, a nonpartisan group that just focused in on best practices throughout the country. And I'll tell you, I think we're, we're where California was back in the early 80s. And if we don't get put some strategies in place to begin to deal with housing issues, then we're going to find ourselves um, in a really in, in a terrible place in a few years where, you know, there, there is essentially that missing middle. Well, some, it, some might say we're already there. Absolutely we are. I mean, look, if you could look at rents tied to what's going on in the property insurance world, you know, many of these communities are now unaffordable. And you've got to be able to to put in more housing stock. We, ultimately, we have a supply problem, not a demand problem. We have a thousand people moving to every Florida every single day. Mm-hmm. We have a huge supply problem. Well, what are the strategies of doing that? Of dealing with that? It isn't live local, right? Live local was a three percent solution. That was a bill that was passed last year, signed by the governor. It was a three percent solution. There isn't a larger strategy to deal with this. There's also this issue of homeowners insurance. You've been very outspoken on it, both uh, in your time in the legislature and, and subsequently. What do you want to see happen there? And has there been any kind of movement towards bills that could turn into something you would support? Uh, absolutely. There's there's a lot of things we can do. I think the challenge is, you know, historically, the big problem over the last five years was litigation. In Florida was 8% of total U.S. property claims. We were roughly 80% of the national litigation going on in the country was happening in Florida. But supposedly that's now been cured, right? That, that has been cured. But understand, it's less than a year old. So they passed that bill in December. It went into effect in April. And so we're, we're, we're not even a year into that process. Citizens is three, still at 1.3 million policies inside of Citizens. They project to end the year roughly at that same count. And, and, and also we should note that you know private insurers are still shedding customers. They're, they're still shedding. Well, because a lot of them are still dealing with the, the litigation kind of dam that was built up. And, and now, you know, through Irma and Ian right. and, and yeah, other it's not storms. Just that. It's not just litigation, right? It's exposure to risk. Correct. And so in the meantime, inflation has come along. Mm-hmm. And so the cost of rebuilding these structures has gone up astronomically. And now that's being reflected in the overall rates. But I think what's important to realize is you've had 12 companies leave the state in the last three years. You haven't had 12 new companies start. And most of, and a lot of the Florida companies are, are currently zombie companies. They really can't grow. They don't have the capital to grow. They put on a ton of debt to just stay in business. And they don't have the ability to grow. So I think over the next probably 18 to 24 months, you're going to see a bunch of new entrants as people get comfortable with the, the legislature's actions. Um, and they see the results of those actions, which I think are going to be pretty profound as it relates to litigation. Um, but I don't think prices come down. And I think that's the challenge. Is I think it's going to be years before we see real rating, rate decreases in the state of Florida. You're listening to Florida Matters. We're discussing the legislative session, which is nearly halfway over, with political journalist William March and former Republican State Senator Jeff Brandis. Ahead, we'll talk about what lawmakers could do to tackle the homeowner's insurance crisis, legislation that consolidates power in Tallahassee, and more. 
Welcome back to Florida Matters, I'm Matthew Petty. We're getting an update on the legislative session with political journalist William March and former Republican State Senator Jeff Brandis. There's a slew of laws affecting local governments up for discussion, like a bill to eliminate civilian police oversight boards. But one of the biggest issues confronting the state, homeowners insurance, doesn't appear to have any major legislative changes in the works. So let's turn to back to this notion of home rule and preemption. Now, William, uh, we've spoken a little about about a little about this in this conversation so far, but there has been quite a lot of legislation in past sessions that takes decisions making away from local governments. Uh, for example, last year's preemption of local ordinances. There's a handful of environmental bills that would also allow the state to preempt local environmental regulation up for discussion this year. Can you walk us through some of these bills? Well, yeah, as you pointed out, for the last several years, five years, maybe more, there's been, I would say, at least one and usually more than one bill that has gone through the Florida legislature to take powers away from local government. This year, one of the big ones is there's a bill that would abolish all police civilian review boards. These are, these are boards made up of mostly of civilians who review actions by police or complaints against police. There's one in Tampa. There's one in St. Petersburg. Uh, the one in Tampa has been controversial for several years in terms of what powers it should and shouldn't have, who should make the appointments to the board. And after several years of controversy, compromises were finally reached last year that ended years of argument over it. Now, if this bill passes, and it, it is advancing in both houses, that board will be abolished along with St. Petersburg's and 19 other cities hmm. that have civilian review boards. It's, that's, of course, not the only local government preemption bill this year. There's another bill that attempts to force cities to expedite building permits, for example. And there's also one to um, prevent local governments from allowing camping on their streets or, or, or public property, essentially. Right. That's aimed at, at, the, uh, at the, the possibility of homeless people camping on city streets and sidewalks. What that does is it forbids cities from allowing that camping on public property that's not designated for camping. Mm-hmm. I wanted to come back to um, a couple of pieces of legislation that deal with the regulation of AI. Uh, Jeff, one of these bills would require disclaimers if AI is used in political ads. Um, talk to us about this. I mean, what's your take on the role that AI could play in political campaigns from here on out? And I wonder if you think the legislature is up to speed on trying to regulate this. Well, no legislator is up to speed on trying to regulate this. Nobody in the country is really up to speed on trying to regulate this. And, and I'm not sure that you can at, at certain junctures. I have no problem with disclaimers. If you want to disclaim something, that's fine, whatever. I think the the bigger challenge is at a state level trying to put this you know, artificial intelligence in a box um, is is not going to work, right? Genie's already out of the bottle. Yeah, look, you're not going to put it back. We've got to deal with how, how to how to live with it going forward. Uh, and I, I I just think most you know you saw this with the social media bills and things of that nature in the past. They pass these bills, they they largely get tied up in the courts forever, and then they go away. But they were some speaker's pet project or the political the political issue of the day that they thought was going to play to their base, and so they throw out these ideas. Um, but nobody really is there to follow up or follow through on it, and ultimately gets caught up in court, and and then you know the state just kind of loses its hooks for for going after it. Hmm. 
William, there's some AI elements to another bill. It's called the False Light Bill. Um, civil liberties groups aren't happy with it. Can you just outline what this bill is? Well, it's aimed at things like what we just recently saw with people creating images of Taylor Swift, naked or pornographic images. Uh, it's a bill that would that would outlaw using AI to create something that is defamatory, shows someone in a false light. Uh, last I heard, it was at advancing in the House, but not in the Senate, where there are concerns, as you mentioned, about whether it's a limit on freedom of expression. Um, the bill on using AI, and, and I think during the coming campaign season, we have an election, of course, in November. Hmm. People out there are going to see artificially generated images and recordings and We've sounds. already seen that, right? And, and oh, we've already seen it. And you're going to be seeing a bunch more of it. Hmm. All the political ad bill would do is require a disclaimer at the end. Now, when you see a political commercial, you may or may not even notice, but at the end, in tiny print at the bottom of the screen, that you can barely read is, is a little thing that says political ad paid for, blah, 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 blah. That's all that the, that the political ad bill would do. And it would have to say, the disclaimer would have to say artificial intelligence was used or some kind of something like that. Mm -hmm. So as the senator just said, nobody, no legislators, Congress, legislature, anywhere are up on this or up to speed in terms of how to handle it. Just in the final minute or so, what are you going to be paying attention to in the second half of the session, William? I'm going to be looking at the, the social media bill. Uh, I think that's a big deal. I'm going to be looking at property insurance, but I'm probably not going to see much. Uh, I'm going to be looking at the budget and the, the per-student allocations mm -hmm. for education. And that the state budget typically is hashed out during the mad rush at the end of the session, so we won't have any concrete information on that until then. And then I'm going to be looking at some environmental bills, the uh, one that's, that's aimed at preventing people from challenging uh, a regulatory or, or government's decision to allow development by forcing uh, the loser to pay the winner's legal fees that's that's aimed at preventing citizens groups who don't have a lot of money mm -hmm. uh, from suing to stop something being done by developers who do have a lot of money. There's another preemption bill on dredge and fill regulations. Uh, and then I guess I'll be looking at some of the culture war issues we've been talking about, the pride flags, the restrictions on uh, gender and driver's licenses, things like that. Mm -hmm. Jeff, what are you paying attention to as the session Well, continues? I mean, I think, I think the interesting thing that has that divides the first half of the session from the second half of the session is DeSantis. I think DeSantis is now back in town. Uh, the sheriff's back. He's already killed some legislation just by simply tweeting about it, right? The, the, there was the, the $5 million. We're going to give $5 million to Trump's legal fees. He, right. he mm -hmm. killed that one off pretty quickly. Uh, I think you've seen him uh, to make some other significant moves just by being back in back in, in town. Uh, the, the social media bill, he came out uh, against the, the social media bill in its current form because he said it was going to have legal challenges, which, you know, code for it's totally unconstitutional and he knows it, right? <laughs> As a hard 
Harvard educated lawyer. He, he gets it. Uh, so I think that the second half of the session, I think, will be much more uh, DeSantis driven. And I think a lot of the things will, that, that are controversial will be killed in the crib now that he's back in, in town. And, and so I think the big story is really is what does the next two years really look like for, for Governor DeSantis as he is putting in place what he wants 2028 to be like? And has he learned the lessons from this, this last run as he moves forward? We've been speaking with Jeff Brandis, former state senator and founder of the Florida Policy Project. It's a nonpartisan research institute. Jeff, thank you so much. My pleasure. And political journalist William March. William, thank you. Enjoyed it. That's our show for this week. Our executive producer is Grayson Doctor. Subscribe to Florida Matters wherever you get your podcasts and find more episodes at WUSF.org. I'm Matthew Petty. Thanks for listening.